Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals. It was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, welcome in to the All Ball Podcast. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and you can listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show, whether it's on Sirius XM uh, on a daily basis or on your iHeartRadio app or FoxSportsRadio.com. Follow me on Twitter. We list all the available uh, places in which you can get the Doug Gottlieb Show. And, of course, make sure you not only download, subscribe, you rate us, but tell a friend, have them download as well. This week, uh, we're going to take a deep dive into the Boston Celtics as well as to the DMV. My my boy, Darren McClinton, is going to join us. Uh, he was a tremendous player at James Madison, played overseas. I played with him in the CBA for a minute and USBL as well. Uh, he's not only a trainer, but also an AU coach and a guy who just knows and loves hoop. I thought you'd enjoy uh, me catching up with D. Clint, uh, who has his own podcast with his brother who played ball at Maryland. I thought that would be uh, uh, interesting, entertaining, and enlightening. Also joining us is Keith Smith. He covers the NBA for Yahoo Sports. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. He also does the Celtics blog as well. So I want to get you a sense for what was going on with the Seas, maybe what's going on with the Wizards. I'll give you my, th- my two cents here real quick on a couple things we've seen. I-, I-, I will point out this about the Houston Rockets, and I'm not laughing saying I told you so because they're much worse defensively, much worse offensively now that they've had uh, you know, subtraction by addition by bringing in Carmelo Anthony. I, I think some of that we saw. I- in fairness... In fairness, you know, they had, a, they had a suspension with Chris Paul and they got James Harden hurt, right? So if you lose Chris Paul for a couple games and you lose James Harden for a couple games, with, with that top-heavy a team and that top-heavy a salary scale, you're not going to be as good. On the other hand, it's really, really hard to hide Carmelo Anthony. His game is one that doesn't really fit in the modern pace and space, 3 and D, you know, spread you out NBA and... I, I think it's also a fairly, even though some of their pieces are uh, um, have some consistency from last year, it's still kind of a new team, and they're still kind of figuring it out. So I'm not giving them a pass. They haven't played well, but neither has Oklahoma City played well. Neither has the Wizards played well. Neither have the 
the Lakers played all that well. And uh, some of it is new pieces. Some of it is uh, some guys learn to get along. Some of it is, hey, uh, other dudes in the NBA are tired of hearing about some of these other top teams and they're coming ready to play. And some of it is some of these teams aren't as good as we thought. I think there's a combination of it. But my, my fear with Melo is what happens when you assign him to the bench. I think he'll see some success coming off the bench. It's just really hard for a guy who's always played 30, 35 minutes and got starters minutes and been a go-to guy to suddenly be an ancillary part. Uh, there's, there's a pride and ego thing to it. You know, Derek Jeter wouldn't move to, th- wouldn't move to second base for A-Rod. He should have, but he didn't. And uh, the machismo, people think the machismo of basketball is the only place. Like, no, not necessarily. Larry Fitzgerald is one of the only wide receivers to move from being outside of the number one threat to moving in the slot. You know, Heinz Ward did it some as well, became a great blocker. But those guys are few and far between. That, that, the, that de- de-evolution or um, devolving, or, or maybe it's evolving into understanding your body and your age and how you fit in, that takes a supreme amount of kind of uh, emotional balance. And we don't necessarily create and foster that in the NBA when guys are seen as superstars. And a guy like Mello, who's the all-time leading scorer of USA basketball. We'll, we'll dig in there with uh, Darren McClinton upcoming. My thoughts on the Lakers are, I think LeBron is really trying. He's trying to play this new way of moving the basketball, and I think he's picking his spots. For example, at the time of this recording, uh, last night they took down the Dallas Mavericks, had a big lead, kind of gave it away and survived late. He made only one or two free throws late. Um, but uh, I think he's trying to move the basketball. In the third quarter, he took over and decided, all right, within the confines of the offense and in the transition. I think the problem is that, they're waiting on Brandon Ingram to play better. He hasn't. Rondo, his first night he played well. Outside of that, hadn't played well. And, uh, and, and some of their best shooters aren't shooting the basketball well. That's happened with the Wizards, right? Like, the Wizards didn't expect to play Jan Mahimi this many minutes, and they expected to shoot the basketball better. And j- just like Clay Thompson uh, ends up, you know, going from a shooting slump to hitting 14 threes in a game, eventually – the expectation is water finds its level, but it's going to be curious to see what happens with Ingram. He has to play better because if there's one guy that could be moved, it would be Ingram. Remember, he's the longest tenured Laker, right? He's the longest. He's the only guy drafted by Mitch Kupchak, I believe, still on this roster. And they, they, I think they all think he has more in him, but he hasn't played all of that well so far. It's one of the reasons the Lakers have struggled, although their schedule also being prohibitively difficult and, Jimmy Butler stepping up and making three fourth quarter threes is one of the reasons they're three and five right now. Today. Um, as for the Thunder, a lot of people are talking about Andre Robertson still being out and Russell Westbrook not playing. That's why in, in preseason, that's why they're not playing as well. It's important, I, I think, to mention our vision of Andre Ro- Robertson is he was before he got hurt. Now he had a major knee surgery and then a cleanup knee surgery. We have no idea his level of athleticism and bounce when he gets back. Um, so as far as the NBA goes, even the Celtics have been a little bit disappointing. And I, I think we got to take a breath, see what we like, see what we don't like. I think Gordon Hayward has been a little too passive. At times, Kyrie Irving has been a little too aggressive. We'll talk with Keith Smith about that. But in the NBA, the, the, the team that is most interesting has to be the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Because people in the league have talked about Giannis and his ability to take over games, take over the league. And he has Mike Budenhoser, who has done some, made some nice adjustments. And I think they've kind of adjusted the roster accordingly. I don't think they can keep up. This, they're not going to run undefeated. But I don't know if they'll keep up the pace of being the best team record-wise in the East. Bud has done it before, back when he was with the Atlanta Hawks. But I do think you combined uh, a player who continues to improve his jump shot and his decision-making with a team who's kind of played mostly together for a couple years now and a coach who fits how they want to play and understands how to utilize the spacing and also the length that, and versatility he has defensively. And maybe the Bucks are the team that we didn't talk enough about that have a legit shot to come out of the East. And uh, Giannis is the type of game-breaking, game-changing player that we might be missing because because he's in Milwaukee, because he hasn't gotten to an NBA Finals, because he's not playing for a traditional power in the NBA. We're not talking about enough, but it's going to be fascinating to see what what happens next. All right, quickly on college basketball as we're getting ready for next week, we have um, the showdown in Indianapolis. You got four premier college basketball programs, and I just I want you to start the season with this thought in your mind. 
get old and stay old, right? As, as I'll release my preseason rankings and my early season rankings, it's really hard to tell how good teams are going to be because we don't know the pace by which the freshmen will improve. Um, but I can tell you that teams like a Kansas State, teams like a Clemson, teams like a Wisconsin, um, teams that, that, that bring back teams like an Oregon State, teams being, that bring back a couple of the best players in their league that are juniors and seniors, a Barry Brown, a Trace Tinkle, an Ethan Happ, um, even Davidson, other, other, I mean, he's only a sophomore, obviously, from Wisconsin, but there's so much youth in college basketball that if you start the season with guys with experience in 22, 23, sometimes 24 years old, you're going to be ahead of the curve. It's one of the reasons I think Clemson has an absolute shot, along with Virginia, to take down Duke in the ACC, even if Duke has more draft picks, you know, more, more first-round draft picks. End of the year, I think, in the NCAA tournament, uh, we're likely to see some combination of Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, um, uh, you know, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, uh, who else am I forgetting, uh, in, you know, in the Final Four. And then you have the Tennessees and the Virginias of the world. Oh, Gonzaga as well. And Gonzaga, of course, uh, th they have age. They have experience. They have transfers, which gives you age and experience. And, and the question about Gonzaga is always, you know, they front load their schedule and they try and sprinkle in some non-conference in the middle of their schedule but this is a really young St. Mary's team, as we chronicled with Randy Bennett in one of our previous All Ball podcasts. And the point is that I, I don't feel like uh, Gonzaga is going to be as severely challenged in the WCC as they have before by teams like a BYU who's beaten them twice on their court or, or like a St. Mary's who's the last team to win the league and win the league tournament outside of Gonzaga. So, I, you know, we'll have to figure out what Gonzaga is and what their level of play is heading into the tournament when they have this kind of weirdly unbalanced schedule compared to everybody else. That said, it should be a fascinating college basketball season. And hopefully most of these scandals have been put to bed and we can actually enjoy it. And uh, when, when, you, when you watch Duke play and you're going to fall in love with Zion Williamson's athleticism, um, it's R.J. Barrett who's actually the better player. And then... I think the fact that Duke has a true point guard makes me think that Duke can finally achieve what their talent says they can achieve. They have experience playing together, going to Canada. They got a point guard. Uh, they have just enough returners, just enough depth. I, I think they'll have enough shooting, especially if they play Zion Williamson at the five, definitely at the four. And I, I think there'll be some games which they overwhelm their opponents because even though they're exceptionally young, College basketball generally is young. So many have jettisoned uh, college basketball to go to the NBA. But those are the, the five or six teams. Nevada's, of course, hanging out there, and Auburn is hanging out there. Uh, we'll see what else the Pac-12, if in Oregon, behind Peyton Pritchard and now incoming freshman Bull Bull can, can make a run of the Pac-12 title and be another potential Final Four representative at USC as well. They, they lose um, – uh, a four-year starter at point, which I think people are underselling, but USC, a very, very talented roster as well. But the, the schools you need to know about outside of the Kansas States and the Clemsons and the Wisconsins and the, the older teams, maybe New Mexico as well, San Diego State as well, is Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Gonzaga, throw in Virginia, considering how good they were in the ACC and how much they return. I think that that's where your Final Four is likely to have two or three teams at least come from that, that, that group of teams. All right, let's get you to the All Ball podcast. Let's get you to some of the interviews of the week. Um, he's a contributor to Yahoo Sports uh, NBA at Real GM and uh, to the Celtics blog. Who better to talk about with maybe the most interesting team that is not discussed enough, I think, on a national basis than the Boston Celtics. Keith Smith joins us here in the All Ball podcast. And Keith, we're, we're coming off of watching Kyrie Irving break out uh, last night and and get a big home victory over a Pistons team that has played really well out of the gate. But I think that the bigger question is, here we are, what are we, two weeks into the NBA season. How would you characterize what you've seen from the Celtics so far? Yeah, a little up and down and a little messy, I guess is the best way to put it. It's It's tough when you're bringing back Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and adding those two players who are really guys who need the ball a lot, you know, you said being the ones that carry an offense and you're adding to them to a team that came with a game of the NBA finals. It's bound to be a little messy, but I think they're starting to figure it out 
seen signs of that over the last couple of games. And, you know, it's one of those things I know everyone in Boston is, you know, they were a little nervous early on, but those with the team feel like it'll be okay. We're going to get this sorted out sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting because, yes, the Raptors are off to a hot start and saw them get a, a big home win last night, and the Bucks are undefeated. But, like, look, if you don't like the way the Celtics are playing, uh, you're going to hate the way the team like the Rockets are playing, right, or the way the Wizards are playing. So it hasn't been as smooth a transition as people would hope, but it's not ex- like they're the Rockets where all of a sudden there's finger-pointing or the Wizards where people are talking about trading players or firing coaches already. Yeah, absolutely not. There's none of that going on. These guys all get along great. They're all you know, really happy. I think one thing that really helps is you have a group of players there in Boston who are extremely honest about what their role are and what their hopes are, um, both for themselves and for the team. You, you have guys like Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris who are on the record saying, sure, I'd love to start, but I know that's not going to happen here. And I know what my role is, and I want to win right now. And starting and more money and those things, that'll come down the line if it's supposed to. So it's one of those things where rarely do you have guys who are so open about their role in the NBA and then also accepting of that role. And that's where, you know, Boston's lucky compared to a couple of those other teams you mentioned where I think guys have a falsely inflated view of what their role maybe should be within their team or really even just how good their team should be. Yeah, it's it, it's fascinating. Let, let's talk about Kyrie because there was some discussion uh, I think Tommy Heinsohn said he thought he looked heavy, which I hadn't heard from anybody. Maybe it was that he, maybe it was his haircut or his beard or something. Um, I was told in the preseason and in training camp he looked great. He just wasn't hitting shots early in the year. And you know, Kyrie is a is a guy whose game is really based upon his shot making. Everything else falls into place. Uh, of course, you know we're, we're we're recording this podcast on a Wednesday after Kyrie in a back-to-back matchup with the Pistons, lights them up, goes for 31 and only 16 shots, plays as efficient a basketball as he has all season long. In your opinion, was he out of shape? Was there something that changed? What's your assessment of why, at least shooting percentage-wise, he struggled? Yeah, that one came out of nowhere for me as well. I hadn't heard that until Kyrie mentioned it after the game against the Pistons on Tuesday night. And, you know, here we are. Now it's kind of become a little bit of a story that, you know, I, I had to get myself in better shape since Tommy Heinsohn called me fat. You know, that seems a little a little out of nowhere because all the reports were that he looked good. From my own view, he looked great. I thought he looked physically fine. You know, he, he was quick. He was explosive. He really had his, you know, handle going and moving. And I think it was just the reality of missing the shots came from two places. One, he was taking some contested jump shots that mm-hmm. you know, weren't really in the flow of the offense. I think trying to get himself going, um, which I think that's a big chunk of what has changed over these last few games. I think Brad Stevens really said, hey, we got to move the ball, get back to the team we were for all last year, and you know, like, your shots will come. And then I think the second was he was um, – taking a lot of these looks that were coming, you know, in points in the game where I felt like he, he maybe felt I have to carry the offense here and didn't have the trust in some of those younger guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, because, you know, he missed that whole playoff run. So now that it's settled back in and now he's able to kind of just function within the offense and then pull it out when he really has to, it's starting to look a lot better and he's starting to look to, like the Kyrie Irving of old. And then I feel like Gordon Hayward's the opposite, right? Like, I feel like Gordon Hayward, who was a low 20 a game all-star with the Utah Jazz, he's like, like Kyrie is a, you know, sheer force of will. I'm going to show everybody how good I am, take questionable shots. Whereas Gordon Hayward's been a little bit too passive and tried to fit in a little bit too much. Is that a fair assessment of why statistically he hasn't been um, as good or maybe as important as ultimately he, he will he will or should be? Yeah, I think that is fair. I think Gordon Hayward, I think one of the things that attracted him to coming to Boston, you know, even before Kyrie was there, he agreed, you know, when it was still Isaiah Thomas, was I don't think he wants to be in a situation where I'm the man and I have to shoot it every time down. I think he wants to be part of the, the system and part of something bigger. And I think for him what it is is, but you need to take those shots when you have them. And when you have the mismatch, you need to take advantage of that. That's when the Celtics offense works best. They, they're they really good at 
uh, I call it relentlessly hunting mismatches. They find the guy who has the best uh, yep. chance to score, and they'll go to him over and over again. And I think that's something that Hayward has to get that mindset. And again, we're starting to see that come a little. And one thing that's helping him get there, they're putting the ball in his hands a lot and saying, hey, you be the playmaker here. Let yep. the other guys play off you. And whether that's scoring it for himself or get setting somebody else up, we're seeing you know him you know excel at doing both of those. I think that's a great point. It's, you know, he actually plays a good amount of what you would call point guard or playmaker. Uh, Brad's very comfortable with him playing any position one through five. I, I do think he's probably, you know, the most natural passer. You know, Brad, Brad was trying to convince me this summer when we were talking that, you know, Kyrie Irving's one of the five best passers in the league. I was like, well, that'd be great if he showed the rest of the world how good a passer he is. <laughs> um, but I think, I think Kyrie has the capability, not the mindset, Whereas Gordon has some of the capability, but a lot of the mindset. And it, it is, it's one of those guys, it's one of those things to which I think that's why he's the right fit. And people, uh, if you don't watch the Celtics as much as, as you do, Keith, you don't realize you're like, wait, well, how's this all going to work? You have to have guys that are willing to sacrifice themselves in order for Jason Tatum ultimately be, to become what he can become or Jalen Brown to become what it can become. And then, as you smartly pointed out, th this is the new wave of the NBA, which is relentlessly searching for mismatches. The difference with the Celtics, as opposed to like a LeBron James-led team, is, you know, a LeBron James team, you're just trying to get a mismatch on LeBron and then create help, and then he kicks off for a jump shot, whereas the Celtics have so many guys that can score, simply moving the basketball, the, the mismatch will then in present itself, right? That That's more the way in which Brad's system and with this personnel it works, isn't it? Yeah, I think the way I refer to it is it's, it's manufacturing a mismatch versus letting it come naturally. And I think the LeBron example you use, that's manufacturing that mismatch. We saw that when the Celtics played the Cavaliers last year in the playoffs. They did everything they could to get Terry Rozier matched up with LeBron James because LeBron's just going to overpower him and do whatever he wants. With the Celtics, what they do is they just kind of let the ball flow, cause the defense to react, and then they find it generally somewhere, you know, halfway through the shot clock or show. So, okay, here's what switched. Here's what, what was created. Now let's get to that guy. And that may not mean it's the same guy all game long. It may just mean play to play. All right, we found the right one. Let's get after it and get that shot. All right, here, here's what I want to do. I want to go through the teams that the, since you watched every game. Go through the teams. Give me one quick thought on – for example, the Pistons, go. Yeah, Blake Griffin, I think, has been really, really good. I think he is really stepping up. I think, yo, know, he is, you know, got the ball in his hands a lot. I'm really excited to see him, um, you know, develop into that, kind of truly being the franchise guy and stepping forward for Detroit. Yeah, what's interesting is uh, how much he struggled in that game in Detroit uh, in which they were blown out, obviously played much, much better in the game in Boston. But this, you know, coming off of the, the explosive 50-point 50, 50 game, he struggled against against the Seas going back to last Saturday. Um, the Thunder finally got a big win last night, but uh, when Boston traveled in there, it felt like a playoff atmosphere, and Jason Tatum played great. Uh, when you see the Thunder, what do you think? Yeah, I think what it's there, it just still – Something doesn't feel right with their offense. It feels almost like it did when Kevin Durant was there. Where it was your turn, my turn. A little bit of that with Russ and Paul George. I know, you know, Russ missed all the training camp. He's really still kind of playing himself into full peak, you know, ability there. But there's just something missing. And boy, do they miss Andre Robertson. People still underrate his importance to that team. Everybody says, can't hit a free throw and can't hit a three. But that disregards just how good he is defensively. And against a team like Boston or even a team like Golden State, teams like that, you need his defense, and they, they're really missing it right now. Yeah, and then the question becomes when he does return, having an ACL injury and then having a backup, another surgery, is he ever going to be the Andre Robertson athletically of old? Like that, you know, that's a legit question. In addition to the, 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 the fact that you're playing four on five on offense, you can make up for it if he's that good a defensive player and rebounder. But if he loses a step defensively, will that team ever live up to what I think their potential is? Um, your thoughts on the Orlando Magic, a, a franchise which seems to have been in rebuild mode now here for the last five years or so. Uh, Vucevic, obviously, Vucevic is a, a very talented player, but um, you know they paid Aaron Gordon a bunch of money. I, I don't think it'll ever be a stretch for let alone a three-man, when you see Orlando, is there hope there? Yeah, I think there's some hope, but it's you have to project it down the line a little. You have to believe in 
that Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, and Aaron Gordon are going to be able to develop and that the three of them are going to be able to play together on the floor. And then you're going to have to hope that John Weltman and Jeff Hammond are able to go find guards that fit around them because right now they just don't have enough shooting. The only confident shooter on the roster is Terrence Ross. And, you know, Ross will let it fly from anywhere on the floor. He's, you know, got that irrational confidence, if you will. But the rest of the guys, it's just rough. They're, they're either, you know, they're, they're guys who should be good backups on a good team instead of being starters for the Magic, which is why they're in the position they're in right now. No, I mean, like, listen, if you want length and athleticism, Gordon, you mentioned Jonathan Isaac, who's super versatile, and Mo Bamba, who you would think two or three years from now projects, but they're all just kind of long, athletic, rangy. Like, this, this has become a game where you need that, but you also need skill. Uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a shot makers league, and they don't have any shot makers, let alone... Uh, let alone true ball handlers as well. All right, last one is the Toronto. Well, I want to get to the, we'll get to the Sixers too. Uh, the Raptors uh, beat the Celtics in Toronto, obviously their second game of the year. But the sense you get when you watch Toronto, you think Kawhi can take them a further step now that LeBron's not in, uh, not in the, the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I really do. And the thing with the Raptors is just everything fits so well with them. Everybody knows what their role is. Everybody's content to play that role. You've got really, it's going to be Kyle Lowry and Kawhi are going to be the ones who get us our offense. And then everybody else is going to play off the two of them. Danny Green looks like, you know, the guy who we looked like with the Spurs a few years ago. You know, he's playing great defense and knocking down every open jumper he gets. And then the bigs are doing some stuff. Pascal Siakam has come almost from out of nowhere as this guy who all of a sudden he's defending, he's bringing the ball up. He gets a little out of control sometimes, but but I think that's almost okay because it leaves him a little more unpredictable. So I think the Raptors, you know, they still get that deep bench too. So they're, they're going to be really tough. It's, it's one of those things where when you watched them play Boston, it was only a second game of the season for both teams where you really said, boy, I hope we could get seven games of this come the spring. Yeah, I, I guess my fear is I do think that Lowry hits his ceiling once he gets to the playoffs, that guys lock in on him a little bit more. And, you know, he's about six feet tall. He's in his early 30s. He's going to be like 33 here in March. And I, I, I think one of the things that people don't talk enough about with Toronto is there are times in which he struggles with the longer, better point guards and and teams, you know, much more focused on it. But I agree with you. I mean, like, look, if last year – you had your best season ever, and you had DeMar DeRozan. You get rid of DeRozan, and you add in Kawhi, and you add in a guy like Danny Green, who is a perfect fit for the way in which they want to play. The Raptors should be better. I still think the Celtics are better, but I'm not, I'm not convinced uh, as of yet that the Celtics have figured out exactly who does what and when they do it. Last one is the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, look, Embiid's a guy who everybody likes because of his personality and what he can be. Everyone likes Ben Simmons because of his ability to create for himself and for others. But there seems to be a paucity of shooting there as well. And I'm not convinced the folk, you'll be able to fix Fultz uh, during the year as nobody's guarding him. When you see the 76ers, are they, are they going to take that next step this year? Yeah, I don't think they're going to take that a step further than really what they were this year or this past season, I should say. They are in a spot where... Their chief rivals in the East, Boston and Toronto, are just horrible matchups for them because the Celtics, they do two things when they play the 76ers. They say, all right, we're going to, we're just going to drop off Ben Simmons because he is not going to shoot. We're not worried about him shooting at all. And then they have enough size that most teams, they'll drop off Simmons, but he's so big, he can still get to where he wants to go, you know, even though guys are giving him three or four steps. Celtics have enough size that they can still hold their own when he gets there. And then the other thing they do is they bring in Aaron Baines and say, fine, Embiid, you might dunk on him once, but the other 10 possessions, he's just going to be up in your face, force you into stupid stuff and taking these terrible shots. And then that's where Embiid just plays right into it. Cause he's still, you know, is in the, at this point in his career, he wants to beat guys and go at guys. We see this deal with certain guys, and Aaron Baines is that guy. Baines doesn't care if he dunks on him. Baines is like, that's fine. I'll shut you down on the other 10 possessions. I have no issue. In Toronto, 
we saw it the other night. They're starting to play them the exact same way. So Philadelphia's definitely got some problems, and a lot of it does revolve around the shooting, as well as they just don't have another creator off the dribble other than Simmons, unless Fultz can get there. And then that's only two, and I don't know that that's enough to win when you're you know getting into the playoffs. And playoffs is being about is about creating your own offense. If you can't do that, uh, things are going to break down and really get tough for you. I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating. Uh, let me. I, I, I said that was the last thing. Why are the Why are the Wizards so bad? It just doesn't. It's a lot of personalities in one room, and Dwight Howard's coming back, and I don't know that that's going to make things any better. I, you know, kind of conditioned at this point to believe that's probably going to make things worse. I, I just, it feels like it's one of those where they've been together too long. Too, you know, we're going into year four ish, five of this same group, you know, the same core guys all together. And and when you when you're not winning at a high level, like say Golden State is. When it's the same guys together all the time, they just wear on each other, and it's really time to break it up. And unfortunately, we're looking at it, and you're saying, how are they going to break it up? They've got all these terrible contracts. They've only got five players with guaranteed salaries next year, and they're already over the salary cap with just those five players. So it's one of those where if you look at it, it's, I don't know how this gets better unless they can really get somebody to take on Bradley Beal or Otto Porter and just break things up. And I think that might be the direction they have to go is just – Break things up, go in a different direction, and see if just change for change's sake sparks something in Washington. Keith Smith, Keith, awesome stuff. Great information, and uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us in the All Ball Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brush your teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. That's why you need Quip. Q-U-I-P is better electric toothbrush created by dentists and designers. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. It's got sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough for your sensitive gums. It's got the built-in two-minute timer pulses every 30 seconds to remind you to switch sides. And maybe most importantly, it's got brush heads that are automatically delivered every three months for just $5. I love Quip because it's easy, it's smart, and makes my teeth shiny. Quip starts at just $25 if you go to getquip.com slash Doug, D-O-U-G, right now. You get your first refill pack for free with a Quip, Q-U-I-P, electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Doug. This is a special treat. Guy I've been trying to get on the All Ball podcast, and we'll, we'll have to do a longer version where he's going to tell stories about playing overseas and giving it to dudes, and uh, and growing up in the DMV, and all the guys he knows. But he's a, he's a former pro baller who was a tremendous, tremendous scoring point guard. He's turned into a skill development guru. He's a coach. He's got the McClinton Basketball Academy, works with Team Takeover. He's got the McClinton All-Stars uh, from, uh, from Maryland, USA. And follow him on Twitter, at Basketball. Darren McClinton joins us. Uh, Darren, now you guys have your own pod, right? Now, what's... Tell me about your own podcast that you have. Yes, we do. It's called The Hot Box. And it, I started it um, based on, you know, still a lot of guys in this area. We still play basketball and, and go at it because we're still competitors, a lot of former, former players. And afterwards, we go into the sauna, man, and we just talk sports and talk junk and, and you know, kick ideas off each other and argue and all of it encompassed in – you know, getting a sweat and, 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 and cooling off after, the, after, you know, getting it in on the court. So, yeah. you know, I was like, you might as well just take that idea and, and you know, get on the air with it. So, so who is it? We've been doing it for about a year. It's, my, it's myself and my brother. He's a former point guard at University of Maryland. Yeah. So, so your brother was your brother played Maryland. You played at James Madison. So he was clearly better yeah. than you, right? So that's it. Starts with that, with that is like, look, he was more highly recruited, more highly touted, and so that little inferiority clearly. complex, I think, it comes up all the time, right? It does. It does. We argue. We go back and forth. We, uh, you know, some people that listen to the show, they ask who, who's better. You know, he's humble, and you know, I, I got something to prove. So it comes up a lot, man. Okay, so let's let's get to a couple of things that uh, I mean you're perfect for this. Um, uh, let's start with the Wizards. 
They have John Wall, Brad oh, Beal. I don't, I don't really, I, I mean, I know Scott Brooks and we had him on the podcast. So he kind of explained the Dwight Howard thing. Like, look, it, but I don't, I don't know when Dwight Howard, since Orlando a long time ago, it hasn't really worked in terms of a team, but he hadn't played yet. So we can't yeah. blame their dysfunction on Dwight Howard. What the hell's the matter with the Wiz? Now, I, I have two things with the Wizards. Now, first off, they're awful rebounding team. They're last in re- total rebounds. Um, and the presence in the middle. Uh, now, Martin Gortat, who's now with the Clippers, they, uh, we traded him away, and he's a former teammate of mine. We played together in Germany. He's, he wasn't the inside physical force that you, you kind of want to see, but he was a total team guy, man, and he – he did a lot of a lot of things that don't show up in the stat sheet that, that clearly the the Wizards are missing right now. Yeah. Um, I, Dwight Howard has yet to suit up, so I can't say anything more than he'll be a rim protector. He'll change that. Um, he'll be able to start the fast break immediately with his shot blocking ability and rebounding ability, but uh, it's it's yet to be seen. He's supposed to debut on Friday against the, uh, when the Thunder come to town. So we'll see. But that, okay, but, but okay, so that's one. So rebounding is one, and Dwight Howard can rebound. Although, like, look, the the game has so changed now because the game is so spread out that yes, it is. you know you have to you have to have a guy who runs. You have to have a, a guy who sprints to a rebound, right? You got a Jordan Bell types guys that run into rebound both offensively and Absolutely. defensively. And the thing that they had with Gortat was like, look, he'd frustrate him because he's standing on there with the, with his hand up, and. Um, and, you know, wants the ball. And those guys are like, look, that's not, uh, you know, in terms of efficiency-wise, posting up is not a good, is not, is not terribly efficient. But there were other things that he brought. He brought toughness. He'd said, you know, he set good screens, which I think, I think does, screens. you know. But Lucent, like, like Andrew Bogut, people don't realize how important he was for the first championship for the Warriors, right? Because, like, that dude set great screens and sometimes illegal screens. So when you were guarding Steph, you not only had to worry about Steph, but you had to worry about sometimes running into Andrew Bogut, who's a huge human being. Gortat had some of that. So maybe they undervalued him, and we'll see how it works with, with, with D12. I, I guess the, the big question, maybe this is your second part, can Wall and Beal coexist? And that's my second part. It's the, it's the, it's the locker room, because... You know, and you're a point guard like myself, and you know that leadership starts at the point guard position. And and just as uh, recent as after the last game, I listened to the presser, the postgame presser, and they were talking to John Wall, and he was stating how, you know, it's up to him. He's got to, you know, galvanize these guys and get them, get them together and, and, and get out of this slump. And then they talked to Bradley Beal, and he's saying it's up to him. That they've got, he's got to galvanize the guys and bring them together, and he takes the blame for that. Um, it, 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 I don't think it can be both of them. And so one is telling the truth and one is not. So, and they're both elite all-star players, and I'd be fine if they were saying, if Wall said me and, me and Bill or me and Brad, and then Bill said, yeah, me and John, that we've got you know, to get these guys, uh, raise these guys' level. But they were each saying me. And 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 I, I just there's something about that. And uh, after the Clippers game, after the Clippers game, Doc Rivers said the first thing that Scotty Brooks said to him was, "You guys really look like you all love playing with each other, and you know you play together as a team." So there's something to be said there as well. And I don't think that the locker room problems is a is a fix by D12. He's not, he hasn't been a a great locker room guy, you know, in his past as well. So I don't think him coming into the mix, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't showed up yet. And, and the togetherness is what they need. And he, you know, he didn't, he had to uh, go on tour in China um, when the team had their outing out in, uh, out in California. So he wasn't there for that either. You know, there's, there's a lot to be said with, you know, continuity and cohesiveness that, that starts in the off season, especially when you got a new free agent coming in town. Why do you think um, why do you think the, the Thunder have struggled? Well, I don't know whether they're gonna try to start uh, Schroeder and and, and um, Westbrook together, even when um, Robeson comes back. I think Robeson uh, missing these two months is really hurting them. Um, 
great defender, great team guy, great glue guy. Uh, and then bringing Schroeder in, who's a starting point guard, um, into, you know, Russ's town. <laughs> which is See, I, see I, think, I think if you, if you go back to when Russ had KD and they went to the finals, Obviously, uh-huh. James Harden's better than Schroeder. I'm not, not sitting here, but, but what the Thunder guys told me then, Scotty told me then, the front office guys like, look, as good as Russ is as a point and he's dynamic, you put him off the ball where he doesn't have to worry about running things, just gets it and goes. And I, right. I, 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 I think that whether they start him or not, I do think that want, they want that to be their finishing group. And you mentioned continuity, but like, look, if you don't have Russ for the whole preseason – and now all of a sudden you're trying to do it's hard on the fly. It's like it's like Markel Foltz trying to fix his jump shot on the fly. Like you need a long time together to get cohesiveness. Right. right. And there's great expectations of Russell Westbrook, two years in a row averaging a triple double. There's great expectation of that team because everybody thought, well, Paul George is back second year, more cohesive, they'll start winning right away. I actually I still think that'll work. I my fear with the Thunder is there's this hope they're holding out hope for Robertson coming back and being the same dude. You come off two surgeries in the same knee, you're not going to be the same athletically, and that's his whole you're game right. is defense and rebounding. That that's really my fear with this team. I think the rest of the stuff kind of gets worked out. Yeah, I, I, it, it's all about how you finish and not and not how you start. And you made a great point about you know what which team what which lineup they want to finish games with um, and go down the stretch with. And I, I do think it will end up being Schroeder and. and and um, Russ in there together, uh, it, it'll take some time. To, it'll take time to iron out because you know I work with um, Jeremy Grant in the off season. He's from here as well, and yep. you know he we were working on some pick and roll stuff, and I I was telling him I was like you know where where do you usually get it? And he he kind of told me when you're dealing with Russ, you know you just got to be ready to get it whenever you never you know you just got to play off of him. So that's yeah. you know that's different from you know, if, if Schroeder's handing the ball. So, you know, there's some things that will will get ironed out, and I think uh, down the stretch they'll they'll be in the mix. Um, uh, but it's just it's going to take it's going to take some time because Schroeder you was like running LeBron? the show the whole preseason. Do you like LeBron with the Lakers? Yes, actually, I do. I do. Um, I think LeBron is kind of coasting right now, and he's so good that he can do that because he's giving. He's giving guys, you know, an opportunity to, to really express themselves. Guys like Josh Hart, guys like uh, Brandon Ingram, you know, they're coming into their own. And, and, and I think that when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, LeBron is just going to take games over. And that's what, that's what happens when you get towards playoff time and uh, second half of the season after the Christmas break so, or after the All-Star break. I, I think the Lakers will be fine. I really do. I, th- I think they'll be better, and I think they're still trying to – I agree with you. He's trying to figure out who can play and who can't play. I think they're yeah. trying to figure out, you know, Lonzo or Rondo. They played Rondo down the stretch against Minnesota. I thought that was a mistake, even though Lonzo wasn't playing well that night, just because Lonzo can make – he can make a catch-and-shoot jump shot. Rondo's doing so many other little things, but can't, he won't even take a catch-and-shoot jump shot, and they, they, they do need – they need some of their shot makers to jump up and make shots. I like Hart more off the bench than I do as a starter. I think sometimes his ceiling kind of gets exposed. And I know I'm talking bad about guys from your area, but I'm not really talking bad about Hart. I think he's a really good player. I just think, like, that's a hard position. Like, you know, Jimmy Butler can just jump up and shoot over him. He's just bigger right. and a little bit better, right? Um, he's an, and he's an energy guy as well. So, yes. you know, as you know, energy guys, you know, if you play them long periods uh, of time and long stretches, you know, some, some of their weaknesses do show. Yeah. No, I mean, look, that's the, that's the part that I don't think, I, I don't think people do a good enough job on TV and sometimes on radio of understanding that, that positions like there's different guys for different roles. And like a Josh Hart coming off the bench as a six man, even if he plays the exact same minutes as a starter, you're matching up usually against inferior players. It gives him a chance to ramp up the energy, kind of change the tempo of a game. There's Absolutely. a lot of starting guard. There's a lot of starting guards like like I would I would contend that Schroeder is the is another example of that. Like I don't love Schroeder playing 35 minutes a game, 
playing 40 minutes a game. But if he plays, you know, 25 minutes a game and you go, hey, man, when Russ is out, I want you to just go and try and score and attack. And when Russ is in the game, I need you to, you know, be on the ball defensively so he can chill a little bit. And I need you to facilitate a little more. I think that's sometimes guys have specific roles that they fit in. Some of it's about who they match up with. Some of it's about kind of the pace of the game. And some of it's about just the makeup of guys. You have to know the makeup of those guys. And I kind of think that's what LeBron and frankly, Luke Walton's trying to figure out because like yeah. you and I know that you and I know this and, and other people don't, they, they see it, but they can't really express it. It's that last year with the Lakers, people weren't getting up for Laker games. Like they were crummy, like they were bad and they had a bunch of young guys. Now you're now every game that you step on the floor with LeBron James, that's like a playoff game. And so you have no idea how Brandon Ingram's going to react in a real game or how perfect example is Jimmy Butler. Like he ain't been playing that great. And all of a sudden he plays out of his mind. Why? Cause he's playing against LeBron James and the Lakers, a franchise he might want to play play with this season or next season. And he's trying to show out for them. I think Absolutely. that, I think that Luke the and LeBron are every time. Yeah. It, it's a different, it's the same sport, but it's a different game. Yeah. Now the, the thing about playing with, a guy named a guy like LeBron is every possession when he kicks out to you, you're expected to make that shot. You know, yeah. and, and it, it, if you don't, if you can't consistently make it, you, you know, you're under that microscope. And now, now they're saying, you, you know, normally these guys are considered pretty good shooters, but you know, it's a more pressured shot when it's coming from LeBron because he needs yep. you to knock that down. As, as you know, in your role with that team, and now they're saying the Lakers have you know shooting woes and major problems on the perimeter, uh, where if guys were able to just relax and shoot their normal shot, you know, I think they shoot a higher percentage. It's it's tough playing alongside LeBron, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Listen, Chris Bosh, uh, Miles Simon is one of my closest friends. Uh, I remember you know he he was Chris Bosh's guru, and Chris Bosh would say like, look. LeBron's going to get LeBron has no problem passing to people like he and he gives you a good pass. He gives it to you right in your shot pocket, right where you want it. But you better make Absolutely. it in the first half or he is not going to pass you in the second half. Like he just right. he you got to earn his trust. If you earn his trust, he'll always find you. He does not care. But you got to earn his trust. And I think those guys are struggling with the level of play being amped up and the level of importance of every shot, whether it's the pressure of it or the expectations of of LeBron. Now, are you a LeBron guy or a Jordan guy? Jordan guy. Why? Jordan is the ultimate competitor. Jordan has that killer instinct. I compare Kobe more to Jordan than I do LeBron to Jordan. Um, I think if they play, if they were to play one on one, and I've seen and I've seen this, uh, people have brought this up. If they play one on one, Jordan would win, regardless of. LeBron's uh, size advantage, I think Jordan would win because Jordan will cut your throat to beat you. I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm t- completely with you. It's, it's a way of, and I think it's, it's basketball is so different than anything else, especially your basketball players. Generally, and you tell me if I'm wrong, every level I've ever played at, the guy who's your best player at the end of a game, you give him the ball, and sometimes even if it's a questionable shot, you have a feeling that he's going to take it and he's going to make it. And LeBron is just different in that he has always been willing to let his teammates make those shots. Even if he starts with the basketball, uh, he's told people like he gets great joy out of other guys making shots, other guys win- winning games. It's just a, it's a different sort of wiring. And I, people equate it to Magic it Johnson. But, people, but Magic had the killer instinct, dude. Magic would, he yes, made the he baby did. sky hook in the lane. And so I, I do think that for the best of the best, like those guys are licensed killers, and I, I think I don't think LeBron, even though he's made more shots recently, um, I don't think he's wired the same way as those guys, and that's why I think a lot of former players. Plus, you know, we we saw Jordan, we lived the Jordan thing, we understood all the different shots and ways in which guys were draped all over him. The game was different. You, know, you couldn't play downhill. You couldn't play. You know, guys were 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 hand checking you. And there was a power forward in the lane as well as a center in the lane. And now oftentimes there's nobody in the lane. And so it's a much easier yeah. path for, for him. So it's a different sport, but I, I tend to agree with you. All right, here's, here's a question. Um, who's better, Kevin Durant or LeBron James right now? That's a tough one. Um, 
I'm going to go with LeBron. Kevin Durant's a better scorer. Kevin Durant, uh, he's closing the gap, and I would say they're probably equal as far as a defender. Mm-hmm. Um, Le- Le- LeBron, LeBron, a little bit of reputation defensively. A little bit of reputation defensively, because he can't guard guards anymore. He doesn't move like he used to, and he's smartly. You'll watch him now. He guards a lot of centers so he can take some plays off. But, uh, you know, I think historically right LeBron a much— A lot of his block shots are—, are from chasing, and yep. a lot of his block shots come from off the ball. Where Kevin Durant, he'll get on the ball block shots, and he's and you're right. You know his wingspan is, is he's able to slide his feet with. He moves like a guard. Um, uh, LeBron used to move like that. Uh, you know some years some years back, but I, I just think um, LeBron's ability to guard from the five to some twos, you know, um, that versatility to, and to be able to, to, to bang in the post a little bit, uh, and be more physical than, um, than KD. I, I'd say it's almost, almost even on the defensive end, but overall an effect on winning, uh, to go along with those skills offensively and defensively, I, I'd give the slight edge to LeBron right now, even though KD's a home guy, homegrown. No, I know. I, I'm asking. I, I have all homegrown questions for you. Okay, here, here's one. Uh, <laughs> are you, you are you willing to admit that that Carmelo is going to ruin the Rockets? Uh, it, it's looking that way. And I said, and I said this on my podcast. I, uh, my brother was saying that he was going to ruin the 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 Rockets, and I was like, you can't as offensively minded as D'Antonio and, and the Rockets are that you you've got to think that he's going to add some value to them and uh and give Chris Paul some really good options on offense but you know his lack of defense and his lack of conditioning is it's glaring right now and you know with with Harden out it's 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 looking bad for the for the Rockets they're, you know they're trying everything they can to get bring Butler in um, I don't know how he is as far as a locker room guy. Um, I know that I know that Chris Paul is a is a fiery type leader, um, and I and, you know I don't know how that's working out, but he he seems to be detrimental to that team right now. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do think I actually think some of it over the last couple of years, there's been more effort defensively. I think his body now is kind of shot and he's kind of washed. And I also think his game, he was the best scorer in the league. He, what, what Kevin Durant is now, he was, if you go back five, seven years ago, but remember he was amazing in the mid range in the post and probably the weakest part of his game, but he could do it was, was shooting a three. And now once he's become kind of a secondary or even tertiary player on offense, it's, it's much yeah. more about shooting jump shots. And that's, that's not his game. Like his, his game takes a, give me the ball, Get out of the yeah, way. He's a rhythm I'm, guy. Dude. He needs yes. volume shots. You know, he, yes, and, and he, you know what people don't understand? Pe- right. This is the – it's like the hardest part of, of – for you, for example, right? And for people who don't know, Darren was a great, uh, I think, scoring point guard, right? That you could get the ball and you could go get buckets. And probably ne- if you were coming out of college now, I think you would have an even better shot of making it. Is that a fair, f- fair way of – especially as a backup guard Spot to come on. in and just get Spot buckets? On. Huh? Spot on. Okay. Yes, so, right. so as the as the game has evolved, it's kind of evolved in your favor. It's evolved against him. But the hardest part about making it in the pros, when you're when you're coming in as a backup, is all of us from the time we started like fifth grade, sixth grade, we had the ball in our hands a bunch. We had a ton of a volume of touches, a volume of possessions, a volume of opportunities to take shots. Yeah. And now you get to the NBA and they're like, Hey, listen, you're going to play against better players. You're going to play half as much time as you used to. You're going to have to shoot from further out against better competition and you're going to get a quarter of the shots you used to, and you got to shoot a higher percentage than you. That's a really hard. He's having to make that adjustment as like a 30, right. whatever he is, 33 year old man. Like that's 34 year old, 35 year old dude. That's really hard to do when you've done one thing. What he has been a go-to score. Get me 25 shots a game since birth. And now the sudden old dog, new tricks. It's really, really hard to learn. And his body's a little shot and his game doesn't fit the way the Rockets or really the NBA is trending. You're right. You're right. You, you can't, it's, it's very hard. I'm not going to say you can't, but it's very hard. Like you said, to ask a volume shot guy to become a 
corner three jump shooter and be efficient in a less amount of time with a less amount of touches. It's, 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 it's very hard to do. All right. The, the, you know, his podcast called a, Hot. A guy of his caliber that's, that's the leading scorer in Team USA history and, yeah. you know, with all the accolades and, and the way he's gotten it done in the past. Yeah, every, it, everybody, it, said, everybody says, hey, I'll sacrifice. I want to win a championship. And then all of a sudden – you're getting five shots a game, and maybe you're out at the end of the fourth quarter, and you're like, but that's that's not really the way I saw, I saw it playing. All right, here's, here's the most important question that you're going to use on the Hotbox on your next podcast. The best player from the DMV to never make it is who? To never make it. Yes. <laughs> like, like in California, there's a guy named Jimmy Mann, and there's Shea Cotton. Right. Shea Cotton was on the cover uh-huh. of Sports Illustrated. You know, he's in eighth grade. Right. And Shea was left handed beast six five when he was like a freshman in high school and never played a game in the NBA. So when I say didn't make it, you could have made it and played a little bit in college, but made it to the league. And you're like, everybody who grew up around here knows this dude should have made it, whether it was drugs or women or bad luck or making right. bad decisions off the court, on the court with coaching or whatever. He never made it. Who's who's your guy? There are a lot of those cases from from the D.C. area. We, this is this is an unbelievable hotbed uh, for basketball. It's a tough question. I would have to say, um, if I was to go with one, it would be Stacy Robinson Sr. Stacy Robinson Sr. Tell me about him as a player. He was a McDonald's All-American. You know, it's parade all American, all that out of uh, Dunbar High School here in Washington D.C. He was uh, uh, Digger Phelps called him the best high school player in the country, hands down, coming out of high school. And you know, he had some uh, issues, substance abuse issues, and uh, you know, behavioral things that kept him from, you know, even playing in college. So, you know, it, it, it stopped after high school. And who, who? This, it's scary to see, to know uh, you know how far he would have taken his game if uh, he didn't have those things in place. And it's it's a lot of guys uh, like that, but yep. that's the one that would stand out for me uh, first and foremost. Stacey now Robinson, you now you were super close. You're super close with uh, with franchise with Stevie Francis, who of yes. course did make it. Yes. But I, I would say the lasting image of. Uh, franchise is is a guy who didn't live up to his potential. Was it just off the court? Is that is that why? Is it, why 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 did Steve Francis not last as long in the NBA or have as big an impact as he should have? Well, it, it was also injury. Um, a lot of Steve's game was predicated on athleticism and explosiveness, um, and you know guys like. Uh, Stoudemire come to mind, McDice come to mind. When they had that microfracture surgery yep. that that takes away their explosiveness, you know, the difference between Steve was six two, six three on a good night, and these guys were six ten, you know, so they can kind of change their game and still be effective. But it's hard when you're um when you're when you're a guard, an explosive point guard at that. And and that is ninety five percent of your game, and and a lot of that is taken away from you. So yeah. I, I would say you know a combination of those two. Yeah, he's a bad boy though, wasn't he? Oh my goodness! Yeah, I've I've he could do some things athletically that I uh, you know I could only only dream of, and have yeah. never seen before. We used to work out together in the summer times, and you know running a four hundred. He he was doing it at track star level. You know, Olympic track star level without stretching. It was. I, I got stories for days. You know that. Uh. Yeah, I know. We're gonna we're gonna tell some of those stories in in upcoming podcasts. You just a ton of of great information. Uh, by the way, what's funny about Steve Francis is you'd be like, did he have a good NBA career? People like, eh, like dude averaged twelve or twenty a game three different years, like for a six three guard. And that's one of those things to which you know it's it's weird. It's it's like Stefan Marbury who has like a museum. In China, right? Like Stefan Marbury yeah. was an all star, like, but Stefan Marbury could have been, you know, a perennial all star, could have been, but I, I think he didn't live up to it. And he had some of the off the court stuff. And also his game was so based on athleticism as well that the lack of development of some of the basketball IQ stuff and when to do what, I think, you know, kind of hurt him. But 
Um, Steve Francis was an unbelievable player, man. What a, uh, what a talent. How can someone download your podcast? All right. It's, uh, we're, right now we're on Facebook Live. Uh, the, the page is First Amendment Sports with the number one ST Amendment Sports. And as soon as you uh, like the page and follow the page, the podcast will come on. We go every Tuesday, every Tuesday night. Um, we will soon be on uh, – um, we'll have, have it on our YouTube uh, page as well um, for everybody to download. But it's, it's just – it's a great uh, show about the DMV area, um, Redskins. We're all diehard Redskins fans, Wizards, Nationals. Uh, in capitals, you know, we just, we just got, to how are you going to talk there. hockey? You don't, don't, don't start talking hockey. Come on, man. You don't have to talk hockey. <laughs> well, our show is the hot box and it's a, it's a basketball based show. We also have, uh, we also have other, other podcasts on under first amendment sports, which the, yes. our producer, he does a really good job of, um, covering all everything DMV, but, but we go national too. I, I, I like to talk about the NBA as a whole and the whole NCAA and, yeah, we've got the we covered the WCAC, which is the Catholic League here in in, yep. in D, DMV. Um, so we just got a uh, two year deal to cover it, that conference. You know, you know all the games and we're going to be streaming them. So I'm pretty excited about what we got going forward. Well, listen, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're you're helping so many guys uh, try and fulfill their basketball dreams. More importantly, happy to I'd love to catch up. Uh, that's because. I don't, what you don't know is like, I always came in with the mentality wherever I was, I struggled to become, be friendly with other guys that played my position, you know, like in college when I was at Oklahoma state, Joe Atkins, one of my best friends, but he played, we, he played a two guard. So he played with me. Uh Right. So when, when you and I were going at it with, uh, whether it was in the CBA or with the Oklahoma storm, we're on the same team. Like I just struggled with it. I'm like, this guy is so cool to me and he's so nice and I like him so much, but we're fighting for the same minutes. It was such a conflict, but I, but, but I, I, I learned from watching you that like, look, you can, you can want to kick somebody's ass every day and still be boys with them. Right. And, and still really, really enjoy their presence. But I, I, I will tell you that before I met you, I'd never experienced that. And so after our first year with the storm together, I went and I played in mm-hmm. Russia and I'll never forget the other point guard was a Lithuanian dude. And I was like, I want to kick his ass and practice every day. And, but I was just trying to be cool. Like it didn't, and he was having none of it, <laughs> like none of it. Like yeah. he didn't like, yeah. he, he wouldn't look at me. He wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't shake hands with me. They would speak in Russian about me. And then I learned to speak some Russian. So I knew he was talking shit on me or whatever, but right. uh, it, it was the, it was the one thing that I, I took from you, which is you can absolutely try and be a killer and earn minutes for somebody in practice or in games and still just be a good dude afterwards. Cause we all just love ball and love to hang out. And it's something that I, I try and share with other people that I learned about being a true professional. For sure. You, you, you hit the nail on the head, man. I've, I've played so many places so, just like you and, you know, I've I've got teammates that you know I still keep in contact with, and you know, form great relationships with. You know, we played with some great talented guys, even at the same position. You know, your Randy Livingston's, your Dewan Weeds, Rusty Larue's, guys like that. You know, that were all great players. And think about it, we all played that that same position, and I'm still, you know, in contact and and. You know, just just goes to show. Even and we still stay in contact. And I I've been following what you're doing. You're doing great things. And you know, I'd like to catch you up on a lot of the stuff that I've been doing as well. So all right, I'm, we'll, I, we'll, thank we'll, you for having me. You know, yeah, we'll we'll do that offline. I do will tell you this about Randy Rutherford. You know, you and I did battle. We battled off like 13 dudes to make the Oklahoma to make the uh, Idaho Stampede, right? You'd played uh-huh. there the year before, and Aubrey Reese was hurt. So you and I kind of made the team. We did team pictures. I don't know if you remember this. We did team pictures at the downtown arena, and uh, Brian Gates, who's now an assistant with the well, with the with the Kings, right? He calls me. Uh-huh. He's like, "Yo, dude, yo, you and D. Clint, you're our guys. You made it. Like, why don't you and Angie get together? My girlfriend, who's now his wife, driving up from Oklahoma. Like, you, we can share a U-Haul. It's like straight bet, right? So we go and we take the <laughs> we take the team picture, and I look down at that little lavamatorium where dudes walk on and off the court, and I see this tall dude, uh-huh. and I was like. That's Randy Livingston. I just got cut. <laughs> and we, we go and play the College of Southern Idaho. And uh, we're, it was going to be it was a scrimmage right before we we're going to play o- opener. And all of a sudden I go from like battling you for minutes 
to not even taking off the sweats. And I was like, dude, why didn't they, why did they take me on this trip if they weren't even going to play me? And uh, yeah, so, but I love Randy to death. Uh, he was, he was one of those guys that I know he made it to the league, but man, if he hadn't hurt his knee at ABCD camp, what, what, what could have happened? We got to run Darren. Thanks oh so much for goodness. doing this. Love what you're doing in the DMV. And we'll talk to you real soon. Hey, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. That's it for all ball. Remember not only download subscribe and rate, but make sure you tune into the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox sports radio, the iHeartRadio app or Sirius XM on a daily basis. It's three to six Eastern time, 12, to three Pacific. In the meantime, next week, We'll do a recap of that incredible showdown in Indianapolis, what we make up for the elite programs in college basketball, seeing them bang heads on, uh, on, on the hardwood floor for the first time. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.